Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am in studio, in our beautiful new studio here in Los Angeles, joined by Armani Buckets and Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, man, I'm excellent after <laughs> that win yesterday. Malik Beasley returned from Taiwan, put on a master class. Hopefully tonight he does the same thing um, with D'Angelo Russell without Anthony Davis. What a win. And we knew the Lakers at some point would blow the 40-point lead or whatever and get it within – it wasn't blown, right, because they were always up 12 to 20. They ended up winning by about 20. Um, so just a fantastic win, a statement win. I mean, Grant Mona, by the way, the prophet, literally texted me, Lakers are going to dominate the Pelicans tonight. Wow. They're going to win easy. He, I'll send. I'll show you guys the proof of this. He's like, they're going to win easy. Statement win. Davis will be back, beat the Rockets, and the Clippers are going to – beat the Warriors by 10 to 90 said. So I'm hoping that's the case because I think for the Lakers, it helps if the Clippers get that five, four seed um, and the Warriors kind of are the team that the Lakers are competing with since they own the tiebreaker. They'll never yeah. own the tiebreaker over the Clippers, which is why, you know, because the Clippers beat them already this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm very happy. I'm stoked. I mean, if we don't beat the Rockets even without Davis tonight, we, we should pack our bags, call it quits. You know, like we got to win tonight. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, the doomsday proclamations were obviously not correct. I feel like the Mayans in 2012 right now. Um, it, it, it was an utter domination from start to finish. And if Malik Beasley, you add in Troy Brown Jr., if they're shooting like that, if Anthony Davis is that aggressive, even without LeBron, this team is going to be scary. And now you look at it from the playing perspective, Portland is pretty much done. I mean, that was a must-win game for them against the Knicks yesterday. They lost. They're already two games back, but still. Oh, your Thunder. Big the win. Th- the Thunder got a big win, so they're still in the picture. But you kind of take one team out of the mix, and now it's like, okay, so there's, what, a few teams to mess with. And I really think the Lakers are looking a lot better now than they did. But let's not forget, I'm just going to point this out. I'm just saying the Pelicans' next four games, they look terrible. They look terrible. Their next four games are two against the Rockets, one against the Spurs, one against the Hornets. So technically, they could go 4-0. and And I'm just saying, no, 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 you just have to keep your foot on the gas. Don't worry about what they're doing. Just that, well, that's what I was saying. I'm not worried about the Pelicans because yeah. I, I knew there was going to be something about how bad the Pelicans were and then this, that, and the other. You have to realize where this Lakers team was prior to this trade. And we all know where where they were because we've talked about it for the past year plus. Um, They were in a really bad spot. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time the Lakers had a 40-point lead. That, again, period. But, like, in the first half, a 40-point lead in the first half, third quarter. Again, when you're up by 40 points in the second half, in the NBA, you're going to take your foot off the gas. You're going to put in the reserves. You're going to win by 20. I'm not concerned by that. 
The way this team is playing, though, there's a belief with these guys. They know what their role is. They all want to be here. LeBron and D'Angelo have their own handshake. The ice in the veins is a part of it. These are little things, but these are big things because you have to realize how poison, how toxic that locker room was. Um, and again, it, it, it just takes one player to have that toxicity, and then it permeates throughout the entire locker room. You hate to make this comparison, but it's kind of like a cancer where it's like, well, he doesn't want to be here, and we're losing, and he's against the coach, and it's like, I want to be against this. Like, it, and they remove that. And now they have a team full of guys. And here's the thing that I like about these guys. Listen, they're not all consistent. Malik Beasley is not going to have seven three-pointers in the first half again. By the way, he joined Kobe Bryant and Glenn Rice as the only players to have seven three-pointers in the first half of a game. So pretty cool there. But he has that ceiling. It's a very high ceiling. And beyond that, you know who's coming back. We can say how good they look right now. LeBron James will be back, and he will be back sooner rather than later. And what was the tweet he had? Just for for you know, there's not there's not a confirmation that he's going to come back next week or soon. Yeah, what was the? Uh, it was the Instagram picture of him in the what the hyperbolic time yeah. chamber with the gas mask on and like the <laughs> bubbles forming at the top. Yeah, he's going to be back soon, so we'll see what happens. And they play, obviously, Houston tonight, Dallas on Friday. Yeah. I don't know if that's a possibility. I don't know if you've heard anything, Arash. Yeah. You have Luka Doncic is also out tonight. So we don't know if he'll be back by Friday. But you got to assume Dallas and the Lakers are tied now. Mm-hmm. So similar to the Pelicans with Brandon Ingram, they knew how big of a game it was. So Ingram came back. I'm yeah. assuming the same thing with Doncic and Kyrie. Yeah. But if Doncic misses that game, then you have to assume he's much more hurt than they're letting on. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, okay, Dallas could fall out of the whole playing tournament. And the Lakers, again, keep just focus on yourself, but keep rising in the standings. The five seats not that far away. So while last night was really the first time I allowed myself to think of what you guys had touched on from time to time, where it's like, yes, they're back in the play-in tournament. Yes, they have a chance to move up into the playoffs or not even in the play-in tournament, move into a top six seed. We've talked often about how wide open the Western Conference is. And if they continue to do what they've done and continue to gel and mold, and again, I know it's a small, it's a small sample size, but that gives me confidence that this team will continue to improve. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could go on some kind of a run here. And again, I'm not picking them to win the championship, but I mean, like, even if they got to the Western Conference Finals, I mean, when you talk about where this team was a year ago, below 500, not this even year. in the playoffs, this year, below 500, not even smelling the play-in tournament, and they make that trade. Um, they make a few moves, and and again, there was not one that was a blockbuster move. There was not one that they got Kyrie, for example, or they got KD or something like that. But these were all, I believe, quality moves that improved the team. And again, you're you're, you're really building around if they're healthy, two of the top ten players in the world. And if they all want to be there, and they all, it's amazing when you win how that can cure so much. I want to ask you guys, so I know what Brandon's thoughts are on this. We have still a ways to go, but D'Angelo Russell, expiring contract, is it already set in stone that you guys want him back Absolutely. Or do you you have to? Look at the way this team is playing basketball. You're telling me if you don't get a full season this team, they're not 
at least a one, two, or three seed in the Western Conference if Davis stays healthy. And That's Toronto the interesting thing. Like, dude, if they yeah. have this team, they're the best team in the arguably the best team in the NBA over the last nine, ten games. So what, of them. what you have now is you have a core group, and again, this will really, we'll really see how far they can go. I mean, certainly if they get to, to the conference finals. And again, I mean, the fact that I'm even saying that, and I never really allowed myself to think that, but when you're up 40 points on a team that you're competing with for a playoff spot, and you go on the road, and you absolutely demolish them, humiliate, humiliate them, what that does is now, okay, like, let's see what we have here. And then, so, like, let's just say they go to the conference final and lose to a team that, quite frankly, like, I didn't think they would be in the same conversation with. Like, if they get to the conference finals and they lose to the defending champion Warriors, if they lose to... to these sons with KD and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and listen, I, that's fine. What I love is that this team is now in that that conversation. And if they had a full training camp, if they had a full season, if now going into the off season you can be in that conversation for like a guy who wants to make a run at a championship again. I didn't think that they could get there that quickly. I didn't think that they can get there with the, with the moves that they made. With the moves that they made, my goal was for them to be a playoff team. Now, because the West is wide open, and beyond that, the way that these guys are playing together, if they go in as the sixth seed, for example, so you're not in the play-in, you're in the playoffs, and again, they go on a run, you got to keep this core group together. D'Angelo Russell, though, would you... Yeah, no, because he would be a big okay, part of that. So listen, like, like, so, like, this team, if they go on a run, if they get to the conference finals, my goodness, if they get to the NBA finals, then it's like, okay, we had such a small sample size, again, 23 games with this team during the course of the season. They continue to improve, play in this out best-case scenario, go on a run here, you win a couple of playoff series, you go to the conference finals, shoot, maybe even go to the finals. Stuff that I never, a conversation I never thought that, that I would have. You keep that core group together because they all blended together and gelled together. And the one thing that I really hope that Rob Polinka learned from what he did, it is hard to get a group of guys to, to play together, to know the roles, and for them to take a sledgehammer to that team that won a championship the very next year. I thought they were the best team in the league. They got hurt, and it was like they tore that team up, and they all knew their roles. This group, again, it's really contingent upon how far they go. Listen, if they get to the playing tournament and lose, if they get to the playoffs and lose in the first round, you know, like, like I'm not of the mindset, like, oh, shoot, like we got to the playoffs and lost in the first round, like, we're bringing this team together. If they go on a run, you have to. Yeah, and I know that you, you kind of just touched on it, so you might have the same answer here. But Austin Reeves, restricted free agent, yeah. and he's going to be a hot commodity this offseason for a lot of teams. Is there a number that's too much for you? Let's say if he's commanding $15 million a year and he's going to come off the bench, are you comfortable? Because then this is the nucleus going forward. You're going to be in a luxury tax. All those things are true. But, I mean, he is an essential part of the future and of the current. So, what's your thoughts yeah, on Yeah, I mean, like listen, you, there's a cap that you have to put on a player who's going to come off the bench. I mean, I like Austin Reeves. He's a fan favorite. It's a little bit like Caruso. I mean, the, the way that that played out was so sad because um, – 
there was no reason that they should have let Caruso walk for nothing. And not only that, Caruso wanted to stay here for less. I think Austin Reeves may be of that mindset too. Like I love it in Los Angeles. I'm a fan favorite. Like I, I, I don't want to be here. At the same time, I mean, you, you, you do have to put a certain cap on what you're going to pay a guy who is going to come off the bench, a, a very key player. The key yeah. with guys like that, is what is their role in the locker room? Jared Dudley, I thought, was a perfect example of a guy on a minimum contract, meant so much more. In the stat line, you couldn't see it. But now the guy's like an assistant coach. I mean, he is such a glue guy, such a guy that you want to have on that team. I don't know that about Austin Reeves. If he's a guy that brings the team together, if he's a glue guy, it's more than just how many points he scores. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, if, if they offer some kind of crazy $16 million a year contract, you can't just say, well, we're going to match that deal no matter what. But, obviously, yeah. a player that you want to keep, no doubt about that. Yeah, and I think he does deserve ten, uh, like close to $10 million a year. I think he will get it. And, remember, they have his bird rights, so they can offer him more than any other team can. I think that has to be a priority going into the offseason. I'm more interested about Malik Beasley, this home stretch, because he's gonna make he's said to make $60 million next year. Wow. You have to get rid of him unless he's more consistent. I know he was great yesterday, and he's a perfect guy around said LeBron if he can shoot. And I know he's a streaky player, like the J.R. Smiths of the world, you know, the Jason Terry's to a lesser extent, like guys that can get hot 16 threes in two games or like four, three games and then O for their next 40 from three. I know Danny Green, there was some, we have some bad memories of Danny Green in a Lakers uniform. Uh, but Malik Beasley is already better than Danny Green in a Lakers uniform right now. That's going to be interesting to see. You got Vanderbilt coming back already, team option. LeBron, extend Russell. You can't tell me that team's not competing for a title next year, especially if they make a, an initial run this year. I am not disagreeing with you guys, but you know I have to play devil's advocate here. LeBron James is going to be 39 years old, okay. and you know, so the window can—I don't—I don't know how long can this window stay open with a 39-year-old as the face of your team. I mean, that, that's a great question because I think we are right now beginning to see signs of okay, like he is a human being; he does get hurt, and and but when he's healthy, and this is like a big thing. He is playing like one of the top ten players in the world. I mean, I mean the the stats he was putting up this season prior to him. Uh, I, I think this was like at the midway point of the season. It was comparable to his stats ten years ago, which was peak LeBron with the Heat, the most valuable player in the league. What I what I like is with this team now, he doesn't have to do as much. I, I really thought he was doing too much. It, it it was like golf or not when you're when you're. When you're doing what he was doing on a team where you're yeah. losing, that was just a frustrating thing to watch. So I think if this group comes back, and again, I really believe that this is contingent upon how they do in the postseason. I mean, I, I like as much as I like this team right now, and I like it with, with the direction that they're going. That being said, I mean, if, if they lose the play-in tournament, if they lose in the first round, like I'm not going to be like, we got to bring this team back. They're so much greater than what this team was for the past year plus at the same point i'm not going to bring a team back that loses in the first round again it depends on how they lose like again the team that lost in the first round to the suns a couple of years ago that was because they were not healthy we saw what they could do when they were healthy when they were healthy they won the championship and so i believe that if this team wins a couple of playoff series if they're in the conference finals certainly if 
they're in the finals. You bring this group back for sure. Yeah, and by the way, what is your official... Where do you think they're going to end up in the standings now? Because there's yeah. still a lot of time for them to make up that ground. Other teams are still kind of inconsistent. And now the Lakers are kind of the consistent team that's winning, stringing together wins and putting together nice 10 games, you know, sample sizes. So yeah. do you think that it's possible? I know we talked about it, but. Yeah, I mean, so look, listen, my focus for this entire time has been the play in tournament, you know, so it's really been that 10 9 seed. Now that the way that they're playing, the way that they played um, against the Pelicans, the way that I think they'll play against Houston, I am focused on that sixth seed. Again, because the beauty of the sixth seed is that you're not in this playing tournament. I, at the very least, am hoping they're in that seven to eight seed where if they win, just win one and you advance. I don't like that nine, 10 seed. Again, I'm just happy that I'm even having this conversation because yeah, you know, not too it. not too long ago, it was like they're not there. But ideally, number one goal six seed or above. Well, I'll just say the six seed. Number two goal seven to eight seed. So you're if you win, you advance. Certainly seven seed, then you get that home playoff game. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I look. <laughs> it's crazy how times have changed in the matter of yeah. months, but. Um, they should get up to the, the way they're playing right now. They should be the six. Yeah, I, I expect nothing less, even without LeBron James. If they're seventh or ten, as of right now, the way this team is playing, that is a failure, in my opinion. I know that if they're the seventh seed, I mean, I, I still think it's a failure. failure. I, I think they yeah. they are a good enough team to get out of the plan. I really do. I really think they're better than Minnesota right now. I think they're better than. Golden State, for the most part. I mean, Golden State beat Golden State, by the way. Yeah. Golden State three times. Three times, and Golden State can't win on the road. We're going to see that tonight. Hopefully, they lose to the Clippers. I'm a big Clipper fan tonight because we <laughs> we own the tiebreaker over Golden State. So I'm hoping Golden State continues to falter. The Mavericks, they're a mess. I know Jaden Hardy's good. Luca and Kyrie going to be back. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they have the easiest remaining schedule of those teams that are competing there. Yeah. So. What are your? Do you think Golden State's going to figure this out on the road? Because we know what they are at home, but the road is just what seven and twenty six, I believe. Or yeah. Like so here's my thing. We've talked about this because of your love for the Kings. I am. I really put a ton of stock in teams that have been there before. So they've not proven this this entire season. They have not showed me this this entire season. That being said, when I look at that team and I'm watching TV, I'm thinking. It's Steph Curry, it's Klay Thompson, it's Draymond Green, it's Steve Kerr on the sideline. They'll figure it out. So yes, I, I do believe so. That being said, we're we're at the at, at the very like end of the season, and they haven't figured it out this entire season. I'll, I'll reverse course here. So I do think that they will figure it out. That my question to you is: Is this the end? We we always talk about a championship window. And these guys are still playing, but you know Steph Curry is kind of at the end of the run here. Clay Thompson, what is the championship window closing, or has it shut for the Warriors? So it's a very interesting discussion, and it's something that people, I don't think the general public has really noticed what's happening. The young core that they talked about, the two windows with Wiseman, with Moody, with Kuminga, with Poole, that part of it has closed interesting, yeah. in, in large part, unless Kuminga turns into a star, which... He could, but and Poole as well. But here's the thing with Poole. When you look at the Warriors, let's assume Andrew Wiggins comes back. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. Those are your starting five. 
Your sixth man in that case is not Jordan Poole. It's Dante DiVincenzo. And then what do the Warriors lack? Defense. So you want to play defensive players like Kuminga and Anthony uh, Lamb. Jordan Poole are on the court. I mean, if Jordan Poole's on the court, you need Anthony Lamb and, and guys like Kuminga. What about Otto Porter Jr.? People forget that was the guy that they're lacking. A my, three and D win. My point was, I don't yeah. know if Jordan Poole is going to get minutes in the playoffs on this Warriors team. And we went from a guy that is you know, a quintessential piece of their future, scoring 27 points in some of those games during stretches last year, to I don't even know if he's going to see more than 20 minutes in a playoff game, which is crazy. So, yes, this is kind of, this is their window. They can't think about the future. Steph is 35. Last thing I'll say, I know we don't have much time here until we go to the second segment, but if Wiggins comes back, they still have the defensive tandem of Draymond and Wiggins. That's important. They have Curry and Clay for the offense. Yes, they're top-heavy. They're reliant on the two best shooters ever, which is pretty good to be relying on. I mean, if you had to choose two guys to be relying on in the playoffs, those are two of the top guys you would pick. So I don't think their window is particularly close to being closed. Uh, I know Curry's getting older, but he's yeah. proven to stay elite. So I think they have two or three more years with this group at least. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, I mean, not that it was closed before, but when you go through a two-year stretch like they did when, you know, KD leaves and Clay Thompson goes down and people thought, well, that that's the, the end of their run, and they go come back and when they win a championship a year ago. I still am very scared of the Warriors. They're a team that, that I would not want to play in the postseason. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Grant Mona, talking about the Clippers, the Lakers, and so much more when we come back right here on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Steel clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Year 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 0400 All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Yes Hotline. By the way, Circus Sports is the place that you want to be for March Madness. They have Stadium Swim. They have the world's largest indoor sports book. By the way, so I tweeted that I'm going to be at Circus Sports this weekend for March Madness, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Lisa and oh. my good friend tweeted back, I will see you there oh. on Saturday. So, Lisa, looking forward to seeing you, my friend. It's been a while. Uh, perfect transition into a welcoming in Grant. <laughs> Grant, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I wish I was at Circa for March Madness. What a beautiful facility <laughs> oh, they have there. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, look, my, my, my main point here, my main point here is that is basketball legit in LA again, guys? That's my question I for you guys. So. 
Brent, like every time that we talk to you, like so much changes in just one week. I really think last night's game, and we were tweeting about it. And by the way, so like I, I sometimes I, I, I am not like always focused on what's happening. But the way Grant was texting about that game was like it was done in the first half, which it was. I mean, they, they were up by so much. Grant, I mean, a win like that, they're up by 40 points in the third quarter against the Pelicans on the road. I have no issue with them. You know, I, I didn't expect them to win by 40. So the fact that they won by like 20 or 12, it doesn't really matter. But for them to dominate and humiliate the Pelicans on the road like that, what does that mean? Well, you know, before the game, I texted Brandon personally and I said, this is a statement game for the Lakers. Yeah. They're going to come out, they're going to have a statement win and kind of show everybody that, okay, in these important games, they can be that kind of team. They can be that that high-powered offense. They can dig in on the defensive end. And look, the Pelicans have had their struggles too, but what this showed me is that in big games, look, even before the trade deadline, the Lakers would get up for these big games. They beat the Bucks in Milwaukee, um, even with Chris Milton. I know he was kind of injured at the time, but they beat them with their previous team. I say the previous team like it's a different name and everything, but it's it was basically two different teams. Um, so every time there's a big game, they kind of get up for it. And I think that's what the what one of the concerns would be, I guess, is can they get up for these games in the remaining stretch? Because, you know, against the Knicks, it didn't seem like they had that pop, that umph, and they played a, a must-win, basically, if you want to stay in that top 10, and they just completely annihilated the Pelicans in, in every aspect. I mean, I was watching that game, and it looked like I was watching the 2016 Warriors. I mean, Malik Beasley turned into Steph Curry all of a sudden after having a, a brutal stretch, and then, you know, you have Austin Reeves looking like he's just getting better and better and better. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of great things and a lot of intangibles that, to me, look like a contender. And I know Armand's going to disagree with that. And, and there's a lot of talk about them missing the play. And look, it, it's a very tight race. But, you know, if I'm just looking at it from a pure basketball standpoint, they're not even, they don't even have their best player. Anthony Davis is essentially playing on one foot, as we've seen. You know, he's not going to play tonight. So there's a, a ton of reason for optimism to, to have this team be one of the top teams in the playoffs if you get there. Obviously, it's going to be tough to get there. But if they get to that play-in and get out of the play-in and into the playoffs, I'll take them against a lot of teams. Great. Where did that confidence come from? Again, you were the first one. Again, we were like all talking about that game saying, you know, it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a tough game. Like, they, they got to find a way to win. And you were the first one that, that, that we talked to who said it's not going to be close. What have you seen from this group that leads you to believe, like, again, you, you said it was going to be a blowout game. Yeah, look, Brandon loves to use this word. He loves to use it about Brock Purdy. He loves to use it about the Niners. It's moxie. They, came, they just have that it factor right now. They have the confidence. You know, Darvin Ham, a lot, a lot of talk about Darvin Ham and Ty Lue in L.A., but what Darvin Ham is, is he's a great motivator. He's a great guy. He's a guy that gets his players ready for games. He hypes them up. He gives them the words that they need to hear. And from all intents and purposes, I, that's all I've seen from them is a willingness to be the team that they can be. You know, the Clippers have had this problem many times. And this is something that I brought up is that they don't have that motivation. They don't have that confidence. They don't have that, that energy, that spark. That's what I'm seeing in the Lakers right now. And, in these big games, look, their talent right now, the roster is, they're, they're talented. They have a good, you know, they have good depth. It's not just depth, they have good depth. 
But when you have that motivation, you have that spark, you have that energy, which I did not see in that Knicks game, but I knew they were going to come out, especially with D'Angelo Russell playing the way he is. Uh, LeBron was on the bench. It just seemed like this is the most fun. I know there's a lot of, of talk about fun being brought out of the team from Russell Westbrook, and there's a lot of talk about that. But this is the most fun I've seen them have since that 2020 team, or maybe even that 2021 team, but even that team seemed kind of eh. This is the most fun and energy I've seen them have towards the defensive end, towards you know moving the rock. Uh, Anthony Davis is having a great time. Even LeBron's not even playing; he's having a great time. This is the most fun, and you gotta have fun to win games. He's right. Russell's right. D'Angelo Russell's right. You gotta have fun to win games. This that's what I'm seeing. And when you have confidence, you have the roster now, and you have that fun. It's a recipe for success, in my opinion. Absolutely. And by the way, Graham Mona, the prophet himself, this is what he texted me yesterday. This is what's going to happen. Lakers going to win tonight against New Orleans, a prove it type win, a we are here win. Clippers going to do the same tomorrow night. Narrative will then shift to both LA teams being legit again. And I told him throughout this conversation, if the Clippers and Lakers keep playing like this, I can really see a West Finals Clippers and Lakers. It's certainly possible. Certainly possible. The way, you know, especially when the Kings when they have to rely on defense in the playoffs. Armand is truly against that. But, uh, you know, Nuggets not looking great. But I, hold on. I want to bring this up, too, because Grant is one of these big proponents of the Jokic hate on, on the <laughs> right now. He's one of the big guys that all these Jokic defense, traffic cone and stuff like this. And I'm like, okay, yes, he's always been bad in interior defense. The reason why they're losing these games isn't, primarily because of Jokic, just because Jamal Murray has turned into Marcus Morris the past four games. I mean, he's been a good <laughs> they're losing. It's not like you know, Jokic is putting up still 30-10 and 38-10-10 and 10 in most games. And yeah, he's going to get cooked on defense. That's what happens. But his offense completely outweighs that. It's about Jamal Murray. I just want to start there because I think a lot of people on the internet are like, oh, it's Jokic's fault for losing four straight games. When in reality, yeah, of course, Part of it is because they can just dominate the interior, but it's mostly Jamal Murray. And uh, yeah, go I ahead. think I think it's it's that, and I think it's more than that. I think their locker room is just falling apart before our eyes. You had Michael Porter Jr. after not after this Toronto game, but after the Brooklyn game, a reporter asked him what happened to I forget what the question was, but he basically threw Mike Malone under the bus, saying. I can't you can't get a rhythm when you don't play the entire fourth quarter, and then you get inserted at the very end. And then after this Toronto game, Mike Malone says, maybe we just got soft. So if you're a team like the Lakers, I know the seven eight seed should not be the goal. I, I yeah. know we talked about this in segment one. But if you do end up meeting the Nuggets right now, their locker room is just weird. The vibes are not immaculate. Dennis Schroeder posted an Instagram photo, and I think D'Angelo Russell commented, vibes are immaculate. And <laughs> the Nuggets are the exact polar opposite of that right now. And then when you factor in, you know, teams are attacking Jokic more, Murray's struggling, you know, the scouting report is out on them, the second unit is struggling. They're relying on Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant. Oh my a lot. god, on minutes. <laughs> Huge yeah. minutes, those guys. I mean they that's bad. roles. So Grant, what are your thoughts on the Nuggets? Well, look, you know, Brandon brought up that it's not Nicole Jokic's defense that's a detriment, but I, I have to disagree. I mean if you're going to be that MVP type of player in the play, and if you if the Nuggets are going to want to get past the first or second round, Nikola Jokic just has to be better on defense. And I know his offense is absolutely insane. It's some of the, I'm not discrediting what he's doing on the offensive end, but when you see 
constant videos. Armand, I'm sending them to you. I'm putting them in the chat. Where guys are, it's not just that they're scoring on him. It's that they're not even afraid of going inside. And in the playoffs, in a half court offense, that is so essential. And that's why I think a lot of teams, they're not, you know, they're not fiending to, to play the Nuggets, obviously, because they're still a very, very good team. But they're not afraid anymore. They're, they're not afraid of going inside on, on, on the Nuggets. They're not afraid of their perimeter defense. And like you said, Reggie Jackson, they finally benched him, but it didn't matter. And a lot of fans are like, oh, how could you get rid of Reggie Jackson and bring in Bones Highland? It's the same player. I mean, yeah, it is the same player, but people were, you know, I was, I've been saying this for a long time that Reggie Jackson just isn't it anymore. And people were saying that he is the missing piece for the Denver Nuggets and he's going to be such a great bench piece. Look, it's not going to happen. Their bench consists of guys that really wouldn't even start on other teams. When you look at other teams like the Lakers, I mean, they have a pretty good bench. The Clippers have a pretty good bench. The Warriors are better than the Nuggets bench. Like if you look at a lot of benches, they're better than what the Nuggets have. So you're either going to have to stagger Murray and Jokic. And even if you do that, Jamal Murray isn't even playing that well. So, like you said, Armand, the vibes are not immaculate in Denver, and they are. That's why it's so important that going into the playoffs, you have to have momentum, and momentum is everything. That's why I think the Lakers, the Clippers, all these teams that are starting to hit their peak now as opposed to hitting their peak in December or January, this is when it, it, it matters because it really matters. I Trust me, when you get into the playoffs – you know, having that confidence that, okay, we just won, what, six of eight, eight of ten going in, we can beat anybody right now. And the Nuggets are going the opposite direction, which is, sure, they're the one seed, but that is not what you want to see from a, a title contender. Completely agree. Last couple thoughts on Denver really quickly. They still have a four-game road trip that they're currently on, and that's going to be interesting. And then next week, they play Milwaukee on Saturday, mm -hmm. and then the Sixers the next game, which is MVP battles, back-to-back -back games. That's, wow, Giannis versus Jokic. Please, Jokic, make me some money. Make me some money when both of us are like 50. Score 50. Look, yeah, look, those two, I mean, people people say, like, oh, maybe one matchup or, or one, you know, one game can't decide an MVP voting. But when there are games where the national media is watching, it's on national TV, it's going to be highly viewed, Everything that Jokic and Giannis or Jokic and Embiid does in those games is going to be just under a microscope. So when you look at those games, sure, it's, it's important to see how the Nuggets are playing. But if we're talking about the MVP scope, I do think that one game towards the end of the year or when, it's, when you're trying to fight for a spot, I think that's very important, honestly. I think that's one of the things that people should look at in MVP voting. And by the way, Grant, you bring up a great point about momentum. The Lakers and also... The locker room being jovial, as Malik Andrews <laughs> said. That is important. They haven't been this happy since they won the championship. Like, this team loves each other. That is important. Russell, there's, this is not young Russell snitching on Nick Young. You oh know? Like, God, this right. is like a more mature <laughs> Russell. And I love the Josiah Johnson um, meme that he put on Twitter, like, handing the juice to Russell. I mean, Russell needs a big game tonight. I expect 40 points from him against Houston. And by the way, Austin Reeves has been excellent. Uh, winning Gabriel's even playing fine off the bench. You would have never thought that in a million years, right? Um, and he's doing well. I really am excited for this Clippers game tonight. I think the Clippers have a chance to do something special and help the Lakers out tonight by being the let Warriors. Me, uh, let me switch gears, though, because we've talked a lot about Los Angeles hoops. Grant, I'm a little worried about Los Angeles football going into this season. The Rams, obviously, clearly re rebuilding the Chargers, I don't think that they're rebuilding, but I'm not really thrilled with some of the moves that they're making. Grant, first about the Rams. 
mean, I've never seen a team go from a Super Bowl champion to uh, obviously it was a terrible season a year ago, and then they've given us no hope that they're going to turn things around. Your thoughts on Los Angeles football? Yeah, uh, in, in terms of the Rams, let's start with the Rams. I mean, the Rams I'm, I'm just very confused about um, because they let three – uh, well, not three. They've let two high-profile guys go already and looking to move Allen Robinson. And, you know, all indications from Les Snead is like, okay, we want to compete still. We still have Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Cooper Cup. But when you get rid of Jalen Ramsey, you kind of expect a first-round pick in return at least, or maybe even a second-rounder. They get a third-rounder and a third-string tight end for Jalen Ramsey when you have him under contract still. If you're going to compete, I don't understand that move. I know that you want to move cap space and you want to, you know, kind of create financial flexibility. I just don't agree with that move. Getting rid of Leonard Floyd, I understand. I mean, he was—it's a nineteen million dollar cap hit. It's going to be tough for their books, but you know, if you want to guess, get into it. Look, if for me, this is what they should do: either go all in on a rebuild or go all in on competition. And right now, they're not going all in on competition. They're not signing any free agents. I know they don't have much money. They're not making any trades. They're not bolstering their roster for a playoff run, in my opinion. So if you're not going to do that, what are you doing? It's just so confusing for them because if you're going to go that route, just rebuild, trade people, get, you know, tell them to retire. You know, I don't know what you got to do, but you're not going to compete with the Niners this year. You're just not. They have an awesome defense. They just added another defensive piece. Um, they added awesome guy sam darnold just a a generational quarterback in sam darnold but um yeah but yeah go ahead go ahead i just want to say hats off to the bears Arlon's oh, yeah. bears there we Tremaine go yes yes um they have the ninth overall pick dj moore all that stuff, man. They are going to win eight games next year. <laughs> oh, I have the Lions over. <laughs> Lions are baller. <clears throat> Lions, a lot of free money. This is the one thing I will say regarding Detroit. We will never be scared of the Lions. Right? <laughs> that's that's the only thing I'm going to say. I know that they, they have promise, and I know that Dan Campbell is going to give them nice motivational speeches off of his, what, <laughs> two cups of espresso uh, Starbucks. That guy's we, a winner. We will never be scared of Detroit. That's the one be. team that we have there. You should be. Oh, tell you that, you should be. Detroit is going to be a wagon, especially if Rodgers leaves the Packers. By the, 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 the league is just crazy this offseason. Mean, the, 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 the number of blockbuster trades or big trades, the number of uh, you know, players being cut, Perhaps I just I don't remember. I'm trying to remember like the last time we've we've seen a period like this, which I think is fun. I think it's fun when when guys change teams, guys move, and we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, Grant, uh, spring spring training again. We got the, the Dodgers again. I think there's a, there's a, this problem. People are viewing the Dodgers because they lost a lot of guys. They didn't make a big splash. Obviously, it's all. You know, the, the focus for the Dodgers next year is on Shohei Otani. But this upcoming season with the Dodgers, Grant, what is your hope? What is the expectation? Again, a lot of focus on the Padres now. Can the Dodgers keep – can they repeat as the division champions? Uh, you know, they can. I, I'm just – I'm cautiously not optimistic because – Look, Freddie Freeman just hurt his hamstring in the World Baseball Classic. It doesn't look like it's a serious injury, so he should be back by opening day. Um, but, you know, if you look at the roster, if you compare rosters, 
the Dodgers just have a lot of guys that are unproven, right? They have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith that are proven. Maybe Max Muncy that's proven. Everyone else, they're going to kind of rely on young guys. And in a, in, a, in a division where the Padres got better, even the Giants got better, you know, the, the Diamondbacks are going to be that terrible. They're going to be pretty good. They, they have a good young core. It's not going to be easy. And this is one of the years where... It, it's like a bridge year, I guess they're, they're treating it as. You sign J.D. Martinez, you sign you know, David Peralta, but you know, James Outman is having the spring training of his life. He was awesome last year. He should be on the roster. He should have been on the roster last year. But I feel like you know, Michael Grove, uh, you know, Bush, uh, Outman, all these younger guys, Pepio even, these guys are going to have to have proven years to where it's like, okay, we're not prospects anymore. We're built for the big leagues. And that doesn't really bode well for my confidence in them when the Mets are a powerhouse. Um, when you have even teams, you know, in the East, the Braves are still good. The Phillies got a lot better. If you even look in the NL alone, it's not going to be easy to even get a wild card spot. So you got to take that into account when you're looking at the Dodgers roster compared to everyone else's. And look, injuries are a factor. You know, people can get hurt. People can underperform. But in terms of my expectations for the Dodgers, I'm not really high on them. I, I feel like they're an 85 to you know 90 win team. I don't think they're going to be higher than that. Um, you know, obviously, I'd love for them to, to prove me wrong, but you know, right now it just seems like they're they're going for that bridge year and trying to get you know Otani or one of those big free agents next year. Yeah, and by the way, we have two minutes left here, Grant. Last thing, um, I'm I, I wouldn't say I'm excited about the Angels, but this is the best lineup <laughs> they've had in years. They have good pitching staff. Sandoval shoved the, against the USA. He's their second starter behind Otani. They got Detmers. They got now uh, Tim Anderson. Not Tim Anderson. Uh, Tyler Anderson. That would be great if they had Tim Anderson, by the way. Um, bringing swag to the team they just don't, simply don't have. But uh, what is your prediction for them this season? You know, I think the Angels, what they did in the offseason is kind of underrated, right? There, there was a lot of questions about their depth last year. The lineup was, was lacking when guys got hurt. Mike Trout missed, what, 40 games, and he's still at 40 home runs. But when you miss a guy like that in the lineup, the other guys have to step up, and they didn't have that last year. Now they added Hunter Renfro. They added Gio Arshella. You know, they added these guys that, you know, or Brandon Drury they even added. So you add that depth, not just in the lineup, but, you know, with the rotation. The rotation wasn't as bad as people give them credit for last year. Um, their pitching coach I really like. Um, they have a good bullpen. It's not great, though. They have a good bullpen. They have guys on the, in, in the starting rotation that I think – can be good it's just that if they put it together Patrick Sandoval looked awesome he looked really good against USA he went six innings I think one run uh Shohei Otani we know what he's doing right now so look it's gonna be a very good year for them I think that they're gonna be a wild card contender I don't think they're gonna win the division but they will be in that playoff mix I think listen playoff mix Brandon Playoff mix. So, hey, listen, you got to start somewhere, and I'm just hoping that Shohei Otani and Mike Trout play significant games, meaningful games, late in the season. We'll see. But again, Grant and I are both hoping that Shohei Otani is wearing the blue and white. <laughs> all right, Grant, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.